and welcome to this edition of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway, and on this episode, we are speaking with New York Times bestselling writer Fred Van Lente. Fred has two books coming out on the same date in April. First up is Immortal Brothers, Tale of the Green Knight. That is being published by Valiant Comics. It's a one-shot. And the final order cutoff for that book is March 20th. So if you want to reserve a copy after listening to this podcast, go to your local comic shop and place that order by March 20th. Because, hey, if you don't, there might not be copies there for you when you walk in the store to buy it. The other book that's also on sale on April 12th is Deadpool vs. Punisher. That is a five-issue limited series being published by Marvel Comics. And there's a third title that is coming out on April 12th that Fred is also writing that we'll touch upon in this episode as well. Now, Fred also has many creator-owned books of his own, and those include, and we will talk about, Comic Book History of Comics, Action Philosophers, and Action Presidents. So we're going to talk about all three of those creator-owned properties that he is working on and has worked on. In addition, we're going to talk about his upcoming novel. It's coming out July 11th, 10 Dead Comedians, his first full novel. 288-page hardcover being published by Quirk Books. It's listed right now on Amazon.com, and you can reserve a copy there. Now, when I recorded this podcast, it had been a long day, and I was deprived of a little bit of sleep. You know, when you have little ones, you don't always get a full day's sleep. So I made a couple of mistakes and mentioned the title of the book, but I'm leaving it in. Let's have some fun with it. Let's have a few laughs. So here now on Creator Talks, my interview with Fred Van Lente. Hi, Fred. Welcome to Creator Talks. Thank you for having me. Great to, good to be here. Great to have you. And you have uh, some things in the works. Um, well, first, I'm in Delaware. You have visited a couple of stores in Delaware. I have. You've been to uh, the comic book shop and you've been to Captain Blue Hen. You've been in the area, so you're familiar with it, the lovely state of Delaware. <laughs> a little bit, but I've seen from the train and driving from the train station to the comic book store. But I, what I've seen, I've liked. So you're working on some books now. You have some coming up. Um, first one coming up, I actually have two come up the same day, I believe. But the first one I wanted to talk to you about was uh, The Immortal Brothers for Valiant. And this is not your first rodeo with Valiant. You've worked on uh, Archer and Armstrong before and Ivar. This is true. Why don't you tell us about your initial work uh, with Valiant on Archer and Armstrong and how they're going to fit into this upcoming story, The Tales of the Green Giant. <laughs> the Green Knight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let that out. <laughs> Great, Green Giant. Green, Green Giant sells a piece. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Green Giant. It's the tale of the Green Knight. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, Archer and Armstrong is a series that was created mostly by Barry Windsor Smith for the original Valiant, and it's probably, and I know I'm not alone in saying this, it's probably the best. Um, it holds up the best since the 90s. Um, and we updated a bit for the relaunch of Valiant in 2012. Um, Armstrong is this hard-drinking, hard-loving, uh, immortal, strong man, would-be poet, uh, would rather not fight, except there's this ancient cult that thinks he's the Antichrist, so he's constantly trying to kill him. So he kind of gets sucked into adventure that way. And in our era, he hooks up with this kid, Obadiah Archer, who is a um, psyot, who is a person with psychic powers by way of the Harbinger franchise, um, who's been trained by his Christian fundamentalist parents to be an assassin. 
and gets the assignment to kill Armstrong, instead finds out Armstrong's kind of a nice guy, and so they end up hooking up and traveling the world, battling conspiracies. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it um, in our run, which was a little bit over two years, and then Rafer Roberts did a very fun run that lasted about a year. And uh, Armstrong... So Barrowman Smith did a bunch of fun, thing, th fun things with Archer Armstrong as one of the main bank creators, but he also, in the original run, um, crossed over with the Eternal Warrior, which is another valiant book. Armstrong has three brothers. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Armstrong is one of three brothers, Time Walker and the Eternal Warrior. Uh, Eternal Warrior is sort of a Highlander type. He uh, He's fought for the Geomancers, who are the protectors of the Earth, for his entire 10,000-year lifetime. <laughs> and then their brother, so his given name is Gilad, and uh, Ivar is Gilad and Armstrong's oldest brother, who is uh, discovered the secret to time travel, which are these mysterious time arcs, these wormholes that open up at various poised points in history, and so he's learned to harness them and travel through time through them, so there's a bit of a question as to whether Ivar is actually immortal or simply functionally immortal, but I'll leave that for smarter brains than my own to figure out. I was reading Arch and Armstrong back when it first came out in the 90s, uh, when Barry Windsor Smith was writing the book and drawing the book. And right. you've kept very much to the the characters, even though it's it's basically kind of a reboot. I mean, you didn't pick up from where they left off with Valiant. Right. And they relaunched the characters, but the core of the characters, it's still there. Um, yeah. For all the brothers, it's it's very much in the same tone. So if you like the original series and you haven't picked it up, well, you know, it went along the same manners of having some humor in there and action and adventure and being kind of, uh, kind of offbeat. Yep. If it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and so this book coming up, Tale of the Green Knight, this one is based on a uh, Authorian 14th century poem, which I think everybody's probably heard at some point in, in their life. Yeah. And uh, tell us, the, set the stage for this particular one shot that's coming out. One of the things Barry Smith did in the original run of Valiant was he actually crossed over um, both Archer and Armstrong number eight and Eternal Warrior number eight with the same comic. They were a flip book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a double sized issue that was sort of set that was set during uh, Alexander Dumas' uh, Three Musketeers story, and it postulated that um, the three the three Musketeers were the three immortal brothers Ivar, Galad, and Armstrong, and then the D'Artagnan was this kind of very similar to Archer. And so we thought it would be fun, Valiant thought it would be fun to do something similar to that. And so this is a, a Knight of the Round Table story that, as you say, is is from this anonymous 14th century poem, uh, Gawain in the Green Knight, except we're replacing Sir Gawain, one of the Knights of the Round Table, with Sir Galad, who on our telling is a member of the Knight, Knights of the Round Table, and in fact at the behest of the Geomancer, who's the Lady of the Lake of Arthurian fame, actually put Arthur on the throne of England. Uh, but uh, this, at one Christmas, a huge green knight, literally green, green from head to toe, green armor, green skin, green hair, green axe, mm -hmm. challenges one of the knights to cut his head off. And if he does so, you know, he'll, that knight will receive a, another blow in, in a year. And so Galad accepts, cuts the guy's head off, does not seem to hurt the guy very much. He says, I'll see you in a year. And this, of course, freaks everybody out. So 
to what's interesting to Galad, of course, as an immortal, was that this guy appears to be an immortal, the kind of which he's never seen before. So he goes out and he recruits his brothers to go help him find this guy before the year is out. And Ivar ports in from, you know, Times Square, New York City, and Armstrong is an atheist monk living out in a monastery, stealing their brewing uh, uh, talents. And they eventually find a very chaste and pious knight named Percival, who, a la D'Artagnan in the Barry Windsor Smith story, is very, very similar to Obadiah Archer. And I should say, I forgot to mention, uh, in this version of the Valiant Universe, Archer is dating Faith, who's a real sort of breakout character from the Harbinger series, and Faith, who's a real uh, fan of geek culture and is a big nerd and stuff, has caught con crud, having gone to one too many conventions. And so we sort of have a... <laughs> A princess bride framing device where Archer is reading the modern day Archer is reading the, the Green Knight story to his girlfriend Faith while she's convalescing, and and so that's a lot of fun. Oh, cool! That's great. It's a great tie-in. Yeah. So you've got King Arthur, you've got Princess Bride reference, you've got uh, Armstrong is an atheist cleric, and Ivar is a wizard, and Galad is a fighter, and Archer slash Percival's kind of a, a thief, as you'll see. So. So we we also map neatly onto the cliche Dungeons and Dragons party. So a lot of, a lot of different levels of satire going on in this comic. And would this Green Knight be uh, tied into anybody else in the Valiant universe? Oh, uh, I mean, not beyond anyone I've mentioned. Okay. And on the book, on the art chores, you have Carrie Nord, who um, was there at the beginning when they relaunched Valiant with uh, EXO, their flagship title at the time. So you've yep. got uh, Carrie there. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I like Caroline. He's doing a really great job on the book. He's just taking it. I think people, this is going to be really a special title. I think people are going to be really excited about him. It's a giant size, 48 page, and it's still the regular 399. Yeah, like 32. 30, <laughs> all right, all right. But it's still 399 now. Right. Yeah. It's 32 pages of story and 48 pages of pa- pieces of paper. Okay. <laughs> okay. Technically 24 folded in half, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then stapled in the center. Okay. But, uh,. <laughs> See, staples included. <laughs> That's right. No additional costs. <laughs> this is, um, I think, is this one of several uh, one-shots that Valiant's doing in the coming months? I, From what I gather from what people tell me on Twitter, yes. Okay. I thought I read something about that. There's, there'll be others coming down the pike. I think Robert Venditti is writing an Eternal Warrior one that I saw. Okay. Well, this one sounds great. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, is it basically like some of the other Archer and Armstrong stories? Is it going to be uh, you know, action and humor, or is it more serious horror, uh, suspense type story, or mix of no, both? No, no, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty humorous. You know, it's got a, uh, it's got an emotional through line, like I try to do with with all my stuff. Uh, you know, I do enjoy writing the the three brothers together quite a lot. We did it originally with Archer Armstrong number zero, um, which was a, sort of a retelling of the story of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of continuing our epic poem theme, which is, you know, certainly unusual in in, in comics. I, I I was joking that it really should be called Epic Bros. <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll do we'll have a little collection that'll be the the Gilgamesh story, the Green Knight story, the Three Musketeers story, and we'll throw in uh, the brothers all got together for an arc of Ivar Time Walker in the far future. So that would be fun if we that's a fun collection, I think, would be the, the Epic Bros mm-hmm. collection. <laughs> that sounds great. You know, one thing I would like to see someday, and I don't know if this is possible, but it would be great if 
yourself and Carrie Nord at some point could do an exo story. Since you have worked on Conan the Barbarian for Dark Horse, I mean, you're familiar with that type of barbarian character. You've written yep. for one. I mean, you ran, a, you wrote a, a large run, um, Conan the Adventure for Dark Horse. It'd be great to see the two of you on an exo book. Yeah, that'd be fun. I did a little. I did a little Time Walker story with EXO for the last for EXO fifty, but but it would be fun to to go back to that definitely. And on the same day, you have coming out. I believe it's the same day. Deadpool versus Punisher for Marvel, yep. and that's mm-hmm. going to be a five issue series. Yep, and double shipping though. So Ooh. two issues come out in eight. You know, two issues come out in April. Two issues come out in May, and one issue comes out in um, June, I guess. And this is not your first rodeo with Deadpool either. You wrote uh, eight ninety nine, which is a team up issue. Yeah, I wrote. I dabbled in Deadpool. I did the first issue of Deadpool Team Up, where he met uh, Incredible Hercules, which is a book I did with Greg Pak. Um, and I did stories in Deadpool nine hundred and one thousand. And I did a Christmas story with um, Sanford Green, and I did that digitally. So I've done a. I've done some. Deadpool before, and I of course wrote Eminem versus the Punisher. So I, this is not even my first Punisher story either. So why would you team up Frank Castle and Wade Wilson? Well, don't forget they're not turning up. They're not teaming up. Key word in the title is versus. So no, they don't really like each other. And once the series is over, they will have even less reason to like each other. And what's the setting of this story? Well. You know, when it comes to these guys, my favorite one of these sort of stories is when Priest and uh, Bright did uh, did Spider-Man versus Wolverine, which was a very, like, emotionally resonant story. It was very important to the sort of Marvel Universe at the time. And it was, you know, and what I liked is that they set up a situation where it's not like a villain was manipulating them. It's not like um, they were mind-controlled or they mistook one another from a villain or something like that. A genuine reason to really hate each other and really kind of go after each other. And that's really what I wanted for this book. Um, I was a little jealous because the other great thing about Spider-Man versus Wolverine was that it was a one-shot, kind of like Immortal uh, Brothers is. So you had that continuous through line. So this is this is a little weird because it's broken up in the in the you know the in the twenty-page floppy segments. Uh, so, um, but I found an interesting way around that and I hope people dig it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's highly amusing to me personally. Uh, so we'll see if if anyone shares that, but yeah, no, I mean, Deadpool is, is basically, you know, a 12 year old with guns and Deadpool or in Punisher is, uh, is just this relentless killing machine. He's a more articulate Jason Voorhees, um, with guns. So they're they're two highly dysfunctional individuals. They're they're the way I like to describe this is sociopaths with guns abusing each other for your amusement. <laughs> um, and so basically, uh, Punisher is tracking down this new this new character, the Bank, who has lived is sort of in the shadows of of the Marvel universe for decades, and you know manage the money and launder the money a lot of sort of borderline shady characters and sort of out and out criminals like um, Kingpin down to guys who operate more in sort of the gray area like Deadpool. So this guy's one of Deadpool's best friends. So Deadpool doesn't really want Punisher to kill him. And this brings them directly into conflict. And I would expect plenty of dark humor in this book. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. 
and that's fun. And you know, it's also when I really love Punisher. Like I think the Punisher's hilarious. Like I, I would could write the Punisher forever, um, just because he's he he, you know, I think when he's done well, he's got a very kind of extremely sardonic and dry sense of humor. Um, Deadpool, I, I have to admit, kind of grates on me a little bit because I think he's like. He's he's what the people who try to be clever on the internet think is clever, and so he's got that kind of like sophomore in high school kind of, you know, uh, sensibility to him. But I sort of like writing him as kind of like just this, um, I guess, a sense of wonder. Essentially, like, yeah, there's a certain childlike quality to him that 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 is, I think, the one endearing quality that he has, um, and sort of an exuberance. Like the healing factor kind of lets him not suffer any of the consequences from his actions, which, which on the one hand is horrible because a lot of what he does is so terrible. But, uh, but on the other hand, it sort of leaves him kind of with this, this, like I said, this childlike innocent quality that, that, that I think is really appealing. And obviously he, he has a healing factor so he can get shot 700 times and not have to worry about it. And then you have direct contacts with contrast with Punisher who has no abilities and no, uh, not no abilities, but no powers and no, uh, Nothing other than his relentless willpower to and drive to destroy all criminals. It's the, it's the classic immovable object mm-hmm. again. And tell me um, about the arts in the book. I'm not familiar with um, Perez. Perez? Uh, well, if you read Archer Armstrong, you are familiar with Perez because he did most of that book. They're fans of Archer Armstrong over, the, over there at Marvel. And so once I came on board, they, they said, hey, do you want Perez to do this? And I said, that's great. Perez is a black belt Shaolin Kung Fu master and I think is also versed in either ninjutsu or ninjutsu or jujitsu uh and so he loves writing doing and so you know in, in archer armstrong we did a lot of like like i would just have archer do various styles i'd like choose a bunch of styles so we would like and so para would have to like email me which sort of these obscure korean mythical uh fighting styles archer was using so it's, it's very similar with that so we're sort of developing a fighting style for the punisher and para very much likes doing kind of like I wouldn't call it realistic, but definitely sort of having people move the way they actually move when they're fighting each other. So it's something that, that he takes a lot of pride in. So we're doing an unusual amount of Marvel style for this. And so you're double shipping that. So you guys pretty much wrapped up with doing everything or pretty close to it? Uh, I, I am. I've got four out of five scripts in and Paris just starting the fourth one. Okay. To, uh, tonight, actually, just got an email about him a couple hours ago. So... Uh, yeah, so we're, so what, it's March, yeah, so I'll be done scripting before the first, well before the first issue comes out, and then he'll have the last issue done before the third one comes out. We've been working on it for about five months now. Or okay, cool, look forward to that. If you don't mind, I do want to ask you about some of your creator-owned work. Sure. Because you have a lot, and it's very, very good. Um, I was just reading some of it today, and uh, one of them, and you've worked with the same artist on oh, quite a few of these, is the Comic Book History of Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, that one you did back in 2012, and I think IDW published that one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, uh, basically, Ryan Dunleavy, the, the artist you mentioned, and I were friends in college. And we sort of fell into doing these nonfiction comics. We got a Zurich grant way, way, way back in 2004 to do a book called Action Philosophers, which was the A-list, history's A-list brain trust, trust told in a hip and humorous comic fashion which was a lot of fun. And we did that. It was surprisingly successful and we decided we wanted to follow it up. And we were self-publishing at this point under this evil twin comics imprint. So we decided to tackle the comic, uh, what was, what we called at the time comic comics, which was the history of comics as a comic, which had never been done before. 
uh, for I'm sure a variety of very smart legal reasons that we ignored because we're dumb. <laughs> and you know, we we treated the you know we treated this with some irreverence the subject. So so we thought we could sort of get away on the basis of parody, and that was successful. And IDW offered to publish the trade. Uh, and so that was cool, and that's been very successful, and so much so that starting at the end of last year, Comic Book Comics has come back in color as a comic book series called The Comic Book History of Comics. So Adam Gozowski is doing a great job uh, recoloring Ryan's originals, and we're updating and revising it. Adam does the – Adam has done the um, the IDW colorizations of the old Mirage uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. So he's sort of well-versed in this area and colors for image. He's done like Nailbiter and a bunch of other great mm-hmm. series. So so we're, we're, we're having a fun old time, yeah. And, and I think uh, issue yeah. three just came out, I think. Um, issue four just came out. Oh, each, oh it's issue four? Okay. And that, that's no, in color. issue four is about to come out. Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. So that, I just got my comps yesterday. Okay. Because I thought I saw three in the stores this week. Uh, yes, but okay. I, it's been there for a little bit. Okay, you do. You've done a lot of research to do those, even though it's a parody. There's a lot of really good information. I mean, you just go all the way back to and you start with the Yellow Kid. Well, it's not technically a parody in that we're actually doing legit history. Um, it's just with jokes, you know. It's, which which I would make that distinction. To me, parody is you're taking something and then exaggerating it um, for comic effect. This is this is the only exaggeration in this is in the in sort of the the way Ryan goes about depicting some of the events. Yeah. I mean, it's with, yeah, it's with humor, but it is the actual events. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, a lot of research goes into that, into that stuff. And, um, uh, but I like it. I'm a bookworm, you know, I like reading that stuff and, and, and sort of, you know, I, I, you know, like any sort of a story and I like checking out original sources and, and direct sources and maybe coming up with, conclusions that are different than what other people have and having a fresh take on it and everything. And you also did, uh, action presidents. Yeah. Action presidents is our latest thing. Uh, Ryan is, and I are working hard on it right now. These are original 110 page, uh, hardback biographies of the presidents, uh, ostensibly there for, uh, middle grade readers, fourth, fifth and sixth graders. But I think pretty much anybody's going to be able to enjoy them. And, uh, those will be coming out from HarperCollins the week of President's Day 2018. So the first two, yeah, the first two will be out in about a year. Oh, wow. So how long have you been working on those? A long time. Several years at this point. Is a lot of that because of the research that has to go into these? Well, just draw. I mean, it's 400. The whole thing, when when it's done, will be 440 yeah. pages. So it's just physically a lot to draw. Um, it takes Ryan, you know, the better part of a year to do one. So okay. two are done at the moment. And he started on the third, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, and then I've got to start writing JFK shortly. So you're going through all the presidents from the beginning? No, or just... Well, you know, our contract is for four books. And so they wanted, you know, the ones most likely the kids would like and that, you know, mm-hmm. would sell. So William Henry Harrison is probably not going to make <laughs> Okay. And something else that you're working on, actually, well, you probably already finished it and wrapped it up. Um, you have a book coming out in July, 10 Dead Comedians, yes. mm-hmm. a hardcover first, novel. Yeah. Yeah, my first prose novel. I'm very excited about it. And uh, tell me about that one. It, now, it's kind of an Agatha Christie type, uh, and then there were none story. Yeah, it's it sort of started life, and Jason Rickulik, who's the who runs Quirk Books, had an idea to parody, essentially, 
and then there were none. The mm-hmm. the Agatha Christie book that's also sort of known as sometimes known as Ten Ten Little Indians, um, and it is a bunch of people trapped in a, a a very isolated island who get knocked off one by one, and the conclusion ultimately is that one of the people there on the island is the one killing them off. So everyone is simultaneously suspect detective and victim so jason's idea was to have was to do this with stand-up comedians and so he had a tough time casting this but we have a mutual friend and so i sort of pitched my idea and i took what they had and i added my own stuff and and when people you know people seem to kind of people there really seemed to, to dig it and so uh yeah so i wrote the whole book yesterday uh, last year and these 10 comedians are they based on actual comedians like will we recognize some of the characteristics and traits of those characters as being similar to somebody else yes definitely i mean there's the uh kind of blue collar comic who's kind of self-deprecating but is now obviously a a multi-millionaire and maybe is no longer able to write directly to the common folk there's an insult comic there's a there's a late night tv talk show host um, a lot of observational comics. There's like a prop comic who's kind of like a blue blue man group analog. So there's a lot of similarities, but sort of purposely, I I didn't want them to be one for one parodies of specific human beings, just because those are actual human beings. I don't want people to feel like I, I literally want these people to be murdered. That's that's really <laughs> kind of far for me. Uh, you know, I uh, so so yeah. So they're they're all. Um, and the people who have read it have definitely been like, oh, I, you know, I saw similarities, but, but sort of the idea is I'm, I'm sort of making a gumbo of identities. So no one is definitely literally that one person. Mm-hmm. So they've been invited to this island, this Caribbean island that's owned by Dustin Weaver, excuse me, Dustin Walker, who is a famous in that world, is sort of a, a famous legendary stand-up comic who kind of peaked fairly early on and then started doing really terrible like uh comedies like real lowbrow stuff like his, his big series was help i married a cat <laughs> a guy who has married a cat <laughs> so he's trying to mount his big comeback and so he invites all these people to this island to meet with him uh and maybe write a special maybe i'll do a special together and then once the comics get there they find out that the island is deserted and they're all they all start getting knocked off Sounds great. <laughs> Figure out what yeah, so it's a legit, you know, quote unquote fair play mystery, and it's also a parody of Agatha Christie. It's also a satire of show business and, and the comedy business in general. I've been a lifelong stand up comic comedy fan, so it was a huge um, lucky break opportunity to do it. And I've already sold my second book to Quirk second novel and that'll be coming out next year that's called the con artist and that is set during san diego comic con so that's even closer to my personal experience <laughs> so you're a lifelong stand-up comedian fan what are some of the ones you've seen live that are some of your favorites well the person i that sort of started it all for me with his albums and the person i was able to see at least two or three times while he was still alive was george carlin mm-hmm. who was the biggest influence on me um i love louis ck i love amy schumer Wanda Sykes does a great live show. I saw her at Atlantic City. Um, but David Tell is amazing. Aziz Ansari is terrific. Uh, Todd Berry is great. Saw Eugene Merman last year. W. Kamau Bell is great. Saw him at Caroline's at Times Square. 
Uh, yeah, I've been very lucky. I've, I've seen a lot of these folks. Uh, David Cross is great. I saw him at the Beacon last year, this in the fall, I think. So yeah, I, I see two or three shows a year or something like that. So you must be a fan of the uh, Carson reruns they're showing on Antenna TV. Have you had a you chance know, to? Not, I'm not a late night. I'm not the one area okay. of comedy. Not maybe not the one area, but but an area of comedy I've never gotten into. I don't really know why. Is I've never been into the late night talk shows. Like none of them. Like I don't watch mm-hmm. any of them now. I didn't watch Carson or Letterman. You know. Or any of that stuff, and I just you, I don't know why. Just thinking about the format, I guess I probably I don't I'm not a late night person, so I'm probably you know by the time it, that that time of hour rolls around, I'm I'm in bed anyway. Oh so. sure, yeah, yeah. So, well, I, so mean, I, I put a late night host is one of the main characters <laughs> in the book more just because that's a you know that's such a big deal in it used to be it certainly used to be a very big deal in the world of stand up comedy if you got your five minutes on Letterman or or, or Leno or. Carson or whatever that could make you. Well, I bring it up because uh, since you're a fan of stand-up comedians, and I was I DVR them and watch them from time to time when I can stay awake myself. And right. um, I was watching one last night where it was Freddie Prince's first appearance as a stand-up comedian on the Carson Show, and he was like 19 years old doing his first monologue on there. And I saw um, David Brenner's first appearance on there mm-hmm. too, which is pretty cool to see them. You know, when they're first starting out, see those old uh, old videotapes. Um, and right. I mentioned this on a, a previous podcast of mine, but um, I saw Andy Kaufman back in the 70s, and he was opening for Sha Na Na, and he was doing his <laughs> Elvis impersonation. Right. <laughs> That's great. So you've done your research on these stand-up comedians, having seen quite a few of them do their act. Yeah, and I, I like podcasts like uh, WF with Mark Marin. I read the great book mm-hmm. by the by, called The Comedians by a – guy who's now appearing on CNN's History of Comedy, and I cannot remember his name. I feel very bad about that. But if I remember correctly, I would not be able to pronounce his name if I could remember it, but it's not personal. So are you going to do a book tour for the 10 Dead Comedians? Are you planning on going on the circuit? Yeah, my publisher threatens to, is threatening to send me on one. I, I don't know quite how extensive that's going to be or, like, where I'm going. But, you know, it may just be, like, you know – I live in New York City. It may mm-hmm. just be in this local area. But yeah, uh, apparently we're doing a book tour. Times and dates and locations pending. And I guess you'll be doing some cons this year too. Yep. I'll be in Denver. I'll be in um, – I'll probably be in San Diego, uh, Comic-Con International. Uh, I'm sp- – Doing some speaking things. I'm speaking at Camden, New Jersey next month. I'm uh, doing a b- couple signings locally. Um, the week uh, Deadpool versus the Punisher comes out, I'll be at Comic Jones in Staten Island and Downtown Midtown Comics. I'm going to Mockton, New Brunswick, which is in Canada. Never been to the Maritimes before. Looking forward to that. So, what else are you working on? I mean, you, I mean, you obviously have a lot going on, but uh, anything else you can share about that or uh, got in the works? Uh, we've mentioned a lot of it. I'm, I have to write the con artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got to get started on that. Um, I have to do JFK. Um, doing the Z Nation comic um, for Sci-Fi, which is also coming out the same day as Mortal Brothers. Although I, I bet you Mortal Brothers has been bumped for artist speediness, but uh, but originally all three of those were supposed to come out on the same day. Uh, I have a new thing from Dynamite that's going to be announced here shortly, um, and I'm doing. I do some video game work. I, I enjoy doing that that stuff quite a bit. Last year, a couple of years ago, I did 
worked on the Walking Dead Telltale Games. Oh, sure, yeah. And those are always interesting experiences. Is that, is that part of your day, is a little video game time to uh, decompress? Oh, please. You got it. <laughs> Which games take to play? Uh, right now, I'm replaying Fallout 4 on survival mode, which is difficult but fun. Uh, I'm a big Fallout now. That's maybe my favorite franchise. So I'm about three months into my replay of Fallout 4. How long do you play? I mean, do you, do you get really really hooked on it, or do you um, are you one of those people that uh, when a new release comes out, you're you know first in line, ready to grab it, and uh, you know midnight releases? No, I'm definitely not one of those people. I definitely takes me a time. Well, I guess it depends on the on the title. You know, I mean, I'm like anybody else. I'm kind of franchise oriented, and I um, have my eyes peeled for new releases from you know or games that I really enjoy. But uh, no, I I tend to I'm a grinder. Like I really like the the role playing games like. Bethesda does both Fallout and Skyrim slash Elder Scrolls, and and I did enjoy Dishonored. Um, really looking forward to the new Red Dead Redemption. So I like a variety of stuff, but but generally kind of in that kind of character building kind of role playing mode. Okay. Um, anything else you want to share before we uh, wrap up? I think I'm good. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Fred. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about what you have coming up. My pleasure. And thus concludes my interview with Fred Van Lente. That was a shorter one, only about 30 minutes or so, but uh, not all podcasts are going to be an hour, an hour and a half. Some are going to run a little shorter. It depends on what we're talking about. So, for Fred Van Lente, keep in mind, coming up on April 12th, thereabouts, maybe a little later, is Immortal Brothers, Tale of the Green Knight. Now, if it's a little later, no need to fret. It's a one-shot issue, 48 pages, 32 pages of art and story. Not to worry about that, though. Go into your retailer and ask them to reserve a copy for you. The final order cutoff is March 20th. And for you Deadpool fans out there and Marvel Comics readers, there is Deadpool vs. Punisher. The five-issue miniseries shipping twice monthly kicks off on the same date, April 12th. That other issue of uh, Archer and Armstrong that Fred and I talked about from the original run of Valiant Comics, I think I'm going to get a copy of that and post it on my blog this week. That also goes along with this show. That was that flipbook that we discussed, Archer and Armstrong on one side, Eternal Warrior on the other. And I collected all the Valiant Comics back in the early 90s. I think I have every single one from the original run, the first incarnation of Valiant Comics before they were acquired by Acclaim Comics. And even that Valiant Universe 2, I have most of those issues. So for my upcoming blog post, look for me on social media at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and at Creator Talks Pod on the Twitter. All my blogs are posted on my website, creatortalks.com. That's creatortalks.com. Coming up next, another great interview this Thursday. This one's going to be a longer one. It's going to run close to an hour and a half. So prepare thyself. For Creator Talks, I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Until next time.